just recently, my wife asked me, hey, what are you working on uh, right now with your emotional intelligence training? And I said, honestly, it's everything I wish I would have learned when I was 18. Mm. And, uh, and that's really at the heart of it. It's the stuff that we need to know or learn. And for most of it's the stuff that we probably missed early on. And we've gone years for some of us uh, just tripping over our own two feet, really with the lack of some of the leadership skills that, that are right here in, in this idea of emotional intelligence. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, Seth Williams. Seth is an adjunct professor. He's a keynote speaker. He's the CEO of STC Incorporated, a sales training and consulting company, and also the CEO of Lead Strong 360, which is the reason we brought him onto the show. He's a master of presenting the concept of emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is, in essence, awareness, self-control, and expression of one's emotions, which leads to the ability to handle interpersonal relationships thoughtfully and empathetically. This is one of those interviews that I still have my notes from, and I will not be getting rid of them. Here now is how my partner and co-host John Ramston and I got this conversation started on this edition of Eternal Leadership. All right, Steve, today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have Seth Williams. Seth, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Now, Seth and I, you met, you and I met through just this incredible story. Chuck Bryant, who's just a great friend of mine, CEO of Pinnacle Forum. We've talked a lot about Pinnacle here. He reached out to me and said there was a woman who'd been uh, rescued from the sex trafficking industry, and she needed to get out of this terrible situation in Modesto, and I actually reached out to some people I knew in Denver, and there was no room in any of the ministries that I knew here in Colorado uh, to help this woman. And then Chuck uh, got back to me and said, hey, we found this great guy who's involved with uh, some of these ministries, and you helped this woman. There's an incredible story there. But as you and I, Seth, talked and got to know each other, um, your life's work, you're, you're a, a professor at Oklahoma City University and North Dakota College, and you've been CEO of some very large companies, and you have a leadership and training organization that's uh, completely founded on biblical principles. You're an expert in emotional intelligence, and but really how to bring that out in your life, grow in that, what that looks like. We had this amazing conversation. I'm like, Seth, you have to come on the podcast, and so uh, I'm really excited to have you here. It's going to be a great time together. Well, thanks. It's, it's an honor to be here and to be able to share. So thank you for the invitation to do that. Well, my pleasure. So let's get started. Just share a little bit about your story, your journey so far, and uh, let people just get to know you a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, this topic of emotional intelligence really came about as uh, really a felt need uh, that I had personally. Uh, I was in a leadership training class, and uh, some of the leadership skills that were listed uh, was this phrase I had never heard before, uh, emotional intelligence. And there was not a lot of context behind the phrase, but when I read that, something inside of me gravitated to it. And and I knew that there was something there that that I needed personally, uh, just in my own leadership uh, development. And so uh, as soon as I got home, I started to Google this concept of emotional intelligence. And the more I looked at it, it just started to resonate with me. And uh, just recently, my wife asked me, hey, what are you working on uh, right now with your your emotional intelligence training? And uh, I said to her, I said, honestly, 
it's everything I wish I would have learned when I was 18. Mm. And, uh, and that's really at the heart of it. It's, it's the stuff that, um, that we need to know or learn. And for most of it's the stuff that we probably missed, uh, early on. And so we've gone, um, years for some of us, uh, just tripping over our own two feet, really with the lack of some of the leadership skills that, that are right here in, in this idea of emotional intelligence. But the really cool thing, John, is that as I looked at it and I started to develop this training, like you said, I wanted to make sure that it was scriptural. And so as I started looking at all of these different facets, I really wanted to view that through the lens of, of what God says. And it amazingly, it's all right there as God lays it out in his word. And so really, I just view this as a different um, vehicle that we can kind of look at how God wants to build us up and, and develop us as, uh, you know, uh, people who are about his kingdom is what this is really about at the end of the day. Yeah, and here, here, and I want to put this in context because this whole concept and what we're going to spend our time on today is really just the first kind of foundational piece of, of emotional intelligence called self-awareness. And, you know, we're always talking about how the secular and the sacred are integrated, they're entwined. So the Stanford School of Business did this study of uh, hundreds of leaders across industries, sizes of companies, and they were looking for what is that one key leadership trait that differentiates um, extraordinary performers and leaders from average performers. And what they came down with all this work and all these surveys and in-person interviews is this whole concept of self-awareness. So we're going to talk about what that really means in a business context. I would also like to bring up, though, uh, and we've talked about this a lot, and we've had a lot of people on here from the Halftime Institute, Really understanding who you are, who God created you to be, is one of the foundational pieces and one of the first things that really give people the clarity to also uh, connect with their calling, their purpose, their mission in life. So this Absolutely. whole concept of yeah. self-awareness has so many implications for just developing an extraordinary life. So let's start out, uh, Seth. I'd love to have you just talk about what actually is self-awareness. How would you define it? You know, it's this concept that we or the individual has an accurate understanding of their strengths and weaknesses, uh, their talents, their aptitudes. But really what what is also included in that is the ability to understand how one's emotions affect their behavior and how those emotions have impact on other people around them. And that's really at the very core of what self-awareness is. So if I ha so if I really understand all that, what do I do with it then? Honestly, I mean, as I've looked at it uh, personally, it's it's this this understanding that my emotions shape my behavior, and then that behavior in turn has a ripple effect on on those around me. And at the end of the day, when we look at this big concept of emotional intelligence. We're looking at how this affects uh, not just us personally, but how it affects our interpersonal relationships at the same time. And they're interconnected. So as I understand my behavior and how emotions impact my behavior, I now see how it impacts my relationships at the same time. And now you talked about, you know, as you studied this whole area and you really wanted to link this with some of the things in scripture, let's start with some of the things you found out there as a foundational piece. And then let's talk about 
why this is important and, and where do we go from, you know, once we have it? Absolutely. Uh, the first piece of scripture that came to mind was Psalm 26, two, when David, you know, really calls out to God and he says, prove me, O Lord, try me, test my heart and my mind. And what he's really doing is he's inviting God to just begin this divine scrutiny in his life and, and say, refine me and, and purify me. And what that really shows us is if, if we want to, as leaders, grow in our uh, self-awareness, we've got to have a real sense of humility. Because what David says is, he says, God, I want you to literally hold up a mirror to my soul, and I want to be able to see inside, and I want you to reveal to me through the, the work of the Spirit those things that, that need to be refined or removed. And, and that's not a fun process, quite frankly. Uh, when we really begin to press in on self-awareness, um, I believe God does reveal to us those things that aren't pleasant, things about us that blind spots, for example, that we've, as we look back and realize we've been doing certain things for years and that they've had impact on relationships in ways that, that aren't uh, positive. Um, so it really does require a level of humility to even begin the process. But then I even think about Paul's letter to Timothy when he says to, to Timothy, he says, keep a close watch on yourself and your teaching and, and just monitor yourself. And, and in doing so, he says, you're, you're going to keep yourself from being ensnared and, and, and um, really protect yourself and those around you. Well, and I, I love one of the other scriptures you have in, in uh, what we were talking about before, because this is really, I think, also at the heart of coaching and why I even got into coaching. And this is so relevant to this whole area is Proverbs 25. You know, the purpose mm -hmm. in a man's heart is like deep water and a man of understanding will draw it out. And what I, what I love about that, what it, not just what it implies, I think what it means is the, what we need to do to get different results in our life, have those relationships, that impact we want to have, uh, you know, in our faith and business, whatever we're called to do. It, it exists inside us already, and we have to draw it out. And sometimes, sometimes it just takes some help to draw that out. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. so if when you're working with leaders, people in business, and, and you're doing the training that you do, how do you frame this up on why working in this area is important to them? Great question. Uh, you know, all of this really we we put into the context of leadership development. Uh, and if we think about great leaders, it's their ability to interact with other people well. And the concept of self-awareness, as you said earlier, is really kind of the, the first fundamental skill before we can even step into the other areas of, of emotional intelligence or leadership development. Um, really, there's, in my estimation, there's, I mean, there's many reasons why this is important, but three big reasons, uh, as I just mentioned. Leaders with great self-awareness are able to build better relationships. At the heart of it, they have a, an understanding of their, their shortcomings. Uh, they have revealed maybe those blind, had those blind spots revealed so that they don't have those things trip them up in, in relationships. Uh, the other thing is um, study after study has come out and, and really shown the uh, irreversible effect that stress can have on people uh, from uh, cardiovascular disease to uh, poor immune systems. 
people with a high level of self-awareness are able to manage stress uh, more efficiently and effectively. Why uh, is that, Seth? Well, I think that it, one of the one of the neat things that we see with people with with a high level of self awareness is they actually can see stress like as if it's on the horizon. They can see it coming, and and what they're able to do is they're able to prepare for that. Um, stress is unavoidable. It's really a matter of how well we navigate that. That um, that really is is the important principle, um, and so. People with high self-awareness, as they see it coming, uh, they can prepare for it. Maybe that involves things like they, they simply get more rest. Uh, they limit their caffeine intake. Um, they have outlets for stress relief, whether that's exercise. Now, I'm not a runner. I don't like to run. But, you know, when I'm dealing with, uh, you know, stressful situation, I'll go up to the driving range, just, just hit golf balls. And, and that's a great way to kind of just alleviate some of that stress. And those are some of just the, the little things that um, leaders with great self-awareness do. Um, and really the last thing is that uh, leaders with a high level of self-awareness, uh, they've got a great sense of confidence. Uh, they really know um, what their strengths are, what their abilities are, and they're able to step in into that and succeed. Uh, so many times we see people that don't have that awareness and they almost are like a, a ship without a rudder and they get pushed this way and that way and they don't really uh, tend to you know, strive or succeed in any one area or one aspect. And, and you don't see that with people with high self-awareness. Uh, they, they know exactly what they're gifted or, or called to do in some respects and so they can press into that. So what do you think it is about that self-awareness that you know that knowledge of who you are that really leads to increasing our self-confidence and the reason i ask is you know just a lot of leaders i work with and i've gotten to know in the background there's just a lot of programs and filters running about fear of failure you know fear of success am i worthy and you know this is coming from friends of mine that are just that you would know that are public figures that are at the top of the corporate ladders and they still have some of these thoughts that are just running through their head. And, and, you know, you hear them talk about this and you're, you're, you're a bit surprised. It's great to hear them be that vulnerable, but everybody wants to move away from that place. Absolutely. You know, I think that those who have a a high level of self-awareness, they know what they're good at. Uh, they, you know, the adage, they know what they know, but more importantly, they know what they don't know. And that's really at the, at the core of it. Uh, the, the two studies that, uh, or the, the one study that you referred to from the Stanford uh, school of business yeah. and, and several others that have just come out recently, what they found is that these top high functioning leaders all have this, self-awareness capability but what it is is it it's that they know what they can do what their strengths are but more importantly they know what they're not able to do and in that in that place of humility they're able to bring others in to uh, reinforce those areas of weakness uh, buttress those places that they aren't maybe skilled or proficient in doing and so again you see this like we said from the beginning this uh, position of humility in and top high functioning leaders that, that bring others in to uh, complete the picture. So as people are listening to this and thinking about this, let's kind of walk through the process. What would be some indicators uh, to me as a leader 
that I need to really work in this area of self-awareness? What are some behaviors, thoughts, patterns that might be showing up in my life uh, or maybe even the people I'm leading uh, that would tell me this is – and here's the great news. Self-awareness is a learned and a taught skill. This is not like you have it or you don't, right, Seth? That's exactly right. So that uh, that is a great news, and it is the foundational piece of all these high-performing leaders. So uh, I want people to yeah. be super encouraged because we're going to wrap up this with with a plan on how to how to bring this into your life. But wh- what are the flags? Yeah, I, I put together a list of ten kind of toxic behaviors that we can identify with, and and like you said, it, it, we've got to. I'll give ourselves a little grace because uh, we've got to understand we're all a work in progress. Uh, But the first one is this, uh, leaders who are jealous or envious of others, that's a big red flag that there's a lack of self-awareness. This concept of envy is it's counting somebody's blessings instead of your own. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if we have a tendency to do that, then uh, that is destructive in our leadership ability. Uh, The second is people who have a real thin skin. Uh, you know, if they're too sensitive, uh, as leaders, we need to have people come in and bring stuff to us. They need to be able to vent. They need to share their frustration. And if we're too sensitive, uh, people are going to take a wide berth in that relationship. And as we've said over and over again, uh, at the end of the day, uh, great leaders are able to build great lasting relationships. You know, in that um, area, um, you know, running a couple different companies, uh, we always talk to our team about being a wounded avoider, right? (laughs) So you have one of those conversations and you can tell somebody either took it the wrong way or they're Mm -hmm. telling some story based on the facts that kind of fits their, this mindset or thinking they have that's not accurate. And it was something you could look for. All of a sudden, somebody's not having the conversations with you that they used to. They're not being as open. They're not engaging. So as, you know, as you're looking at your team and you're looking at people you're working with, all of a sudden, if you if you see this behavior, this wounded avoider on your team, now you know, you know what, there's a huge opportunity for you to go in and help that person uh, improve and get better. So, um, but I'll, exactly I'll let you right. continue. I'll, I'll let well, you that's, that, keep I mean, going that here. That goes right into number three, which yeah. is uh, leaders that act like the victim. Yeah. You know, the woe is me. We, we call them the Debbie Downers or um, you remember Eeyore? Uh, yeah. People have the Eeyore, you know, woe is me. It, it, that is a destructive behavior in leadership. Uh, number four is people who can't let go of past hurts and, and wounds. You know, if they hang on to this pain and bitterness, uh, it's a very destructive uh, behavior. Uh, number five, those who are the uh, people that see the world as uh, the glass is half empty, negative and pessimistic. Um, again, we tie all of this stuff back to the relational piece of it. And we see how these behaviors tear down relationship. It's it's just a, a, a way for leadership to fail. Uh, number six, lack of emotional self-control. How many of us have dealt with the person when you approach them with something, you try and do it the, the, the best way possible, and what was a one on the Richter scale, their reaction is it was like a 10. Um, it's a toxic behavior. Uh, seven. People who are judgmental and critical. Uh, I think about the individual who, in their own insecurity, talks, whether it's gossip or behind others' backs or is uh, just really destructive in their words. And really what they're doing is they're trying to make themselves bigger by making others smaller. Uh, Very, you know, damaging uh, 
behavior and relationships. Eight, uh, this is one I had to learn the hard way in business. Um, do we burn bridges or do we build bridges? Uh, how many times do we get into conflict with somebody and we put ourselves in a position where we've painted ourselves in a corner or we've given ultimatums and the only outcome we've given ourselves is to burn a bridge in that relationship. And what's so fascinating, and this is this is why it was such a, a hard lesson for me to learn, it's amazing how things always come full circle in business. Somebody who you think doesn't have value to your business today, two months removed, all of a sudden might be uh, – might be your boss or might be your supervisor or might be somebody that you're going to have to conduct business with. And now you've got to go through that whole process of repairing that relationship. Seth, would it be fair to say that people that are self-aware tend to put uh, relationships ahead of a situation? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, we like to say people that are have high self-awareness, they see the end in mind before they begin. They know what the desired outcome should look like before they engage in whatever that is. And so if, if, they, if, if they're going to go into a difficult situation or there's a confrontation, they, they can have in the forefront of their mind, what's the desired outcome I want to see here? Um, and not let, like we talked about, that emotional behavior run or dictate the course of action. Uh, so, yeah, exactly like you said. Uh, the last two, uh, overly guarded. It is so critical as leaders that we're we're approachable, that we're vulnerable. Um, leaders who are standoffish and, and are unapproachable uh, really send a sense uh, to, to the people that they're they're leading that um, that it's not safe. Uh, that uh, it creates a sense of worry and fear in others. So we've got to be uh, vulnerable uh, and approachable. And the last one is the leader that requires the constant affirmation and praise, the pat on the back, the attaboy. Um, again, that's a, another indicator that we're lacking in our self-awareness. So if we as leaders went through that list, and, and, and you guys can go to the, uh, the post on this on the website, eternalleadership.com, and look at all this. But if we went through this and did every one of these on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 mean we don't have it, 10 mean it shows up like constantly and people people are really annoyed by that uh you know there's areas in that whole thing that we can work on and that's one side of the coin let's talk about the other side of the coin if we really have this deep self-awareness what is showing up in our life and then let's talk about how to uh transition from one side of the coin to the other yeah so um we've got i've got a list of of indicators of strong self-awareness. And then uh, really, I think, uh, you know, we can give some practical things that people can begin to do right now that will help them develop better self-awareness. But um, some of those indicators of strong leadership and self-awareness is just a, a strong sense of confidence. Again, if we're self-aware, we know our strengths, we know our abilities. Um, those kind of leaders are approachable because they're not caught off guard with critical feedback. It's like the, the studies that we referred to. Uh, leaders with high self-awareness want that critical feedback because they want to grow. It's, it, it's described as a disciplined approach to self-awareness. It's, it's like any other discipline, exercise or diet. It's an ongoing process. So um, they have an attitude that they haven't arrived yet. 
and so they welcome that kind of uh, um, feedback so that they can continue to grow. You know, it was uh, interesting. I was in a uh, leadership conference with Ford Taylor, who'd been one of our guests, and he asked, there was about 100 people there. He said, is all feedback relevant? So if you agree with that statement, raise your hands. And uh, a, a small majority of the room raised their hand that all feedback is relevant. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And you know, Ford's you know coming from this perspective of strong self awareness and really as a servant leader, uh, his his opinion is that all feedback is relevant, whether it is positive or it's negative. Because Absolutely. if you're self aware, you understand your strengths and your gifts. Everything can be taken in to help you improve. So if your focus is really improving, so that you can serve others, right? Build the kingdom, accomplish your goals. Uh, why wouldn't you just free yourself up to uh, be open to anything that's going to help you move forward? I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we talked about the next one, which is navigate stress. Um, number four, uh, know when and how to say no. This is so critical for leaders. So many times, and again, getting back to the stress, how much of our stress is, is self-induced because we've taken on more than we should. We haven't learned to delegate. Or more importantly, we've taken on tasks that we're not really proficient to do in the first place. And really, there are others who might be better tasked to do that, but our ego, um, pride get in the way. And really, self-aware leaders are able to look at a task and say, uh, you know what, I better hand this off, or this is not the right time for me um, at this uh, current moment. Number five on the list is they can admit when they're wrong. I think about how many conflict situations where if somebody would just simply said, I blew it, and the, the, the conflict goes away instantly, and, and we were able to move on. But again, that, that sense of pride where we can't admit that we made a mistake and things continue to escalate or be prolonged. And so really, leaders with great self-awareness are able to just say, I blew it. And, and be done with it. Um, so, you know, a lot of leaders, Zeth, have where to draw the line between being vulnerable or transparent, especially with the people that they're leading or even with peers on their team. Uh, what coaching do you give to people on, on is, there, is there even a line there? And if there is, where is it? <laughs> uh, the TMI, too much information, right? Um, I, I think that... The short answer is, I would say, no, there isn't a line there. Uh, but we've got to we've got to be, uh, you know, responsible with that information. I think we can share too much information, but I don't think we can be too vulnerable. Uh, if it's an opportunity that we can um, we can give uh, advice or use a personal illustration to to show somebody, hey, this is this is something I learned the hard way. I, I don't think we can be too guarded with that information. Um, last two, uh, number six, uh, great self-awareness is the ability to recognize their emotions as they're occurring and not be swept away with them, uh, or swept away by them. How many times do we get so emotionally charged in a situation and those emotions are the things that, uh, drive our decisions or our behavior and really people who are strong in their self-awareness they're able to understand those emotions as they're as they're happening um, 
as we get into the emotional uh, intelligence a little deeper, um, they're able to balance both the, the emotional portion of the brain and its function and engage the rational portion of the brain so that these two things work in partnership with one another. Because we don't want to go through life completely devoid of emotion. I mean, God designed our brain to be the filter that all of our um, interactions uh, run through. So we don't want to just remove the emotion, but we need to engage that rational portion at the same time so that we we actually you know behave and respond in a balanced manner with uh, whatever that interaction is. So it's so critical that um, we do that as leaders. You know, as I'm thinking about emotions, you know, if I think of every action that we take, whether it's an argument with our, our you know, our spouse or just a, a great interaction we have, you know, somewhere at work, whatever it happens to be, that is always driven by a feeling that we have. And we respond to these feelings. Those feelings are always driven by a thought. That is how everything starts. And we've all heard the quote, right? So a thought, reap an action. So an action, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. I actually love that quote. But it all starts with how we think. So what are some of the keys here in self-awareness that helps us maybe pre-experience some of the actions that we want to be taking that are different today? And how do we change our thoughts to actually enable that? Well, I think... Some of that is we've got to understand our propensity and, and our tendencies in certain situations. Uh, and so that's different for all of us. And, and that really begins the process of this self-awareness component. How well do we know ourselves? Do we understand what our behavior tendencies are under stress? Um, when we get um, pricked, so to speak, or dinged, or somebody says something that's a trigger, do we know what our kind of our knee-jerk reaction is? Um, it, it really begins there with that awareness. Uh, we, you know, we can look at individuals. Some people have a tendency just to get angry. Other people have a tendency to um, react in fear. Or uh, other people have a tendency to uh, live in shame in those moments. So if we can understand what kind of our MO is, our emotional MO in those moments, uh, we can now begin to regulate the behavior that, or that, that behavioral tendency that we, we have with uh, whether it's uh, better self-talk or uh, other strategies that, that say, okay, uh, instead of getting angry, here's uh, a, a different approach that has a better outcome. So, again, we've just got to understand what uh, our emotional uh, MO is in most cases is kind of the starting point. So what do you do, Seth, to help people start on that that path to actually create this self-awareness? The first thing that I really encourage people to do is they've got to take a good personality assessment. And there's a lot of different instruments out there. Uh, the, the device we use is developed, uh, it's the Enneagram personality test. It divides up nine different personality types. And what I really like about that and what I think is so critical about any kind of personality assessment that somebody takes is it really reveals how our behavior is shaped by emotions. And that can be good and bad. We need to see both. Um, and, and it's not just strengths and weaknesses or our aptitudes. It's really a matter of how we behave in certain factors that we want to see. 
Um, and so the, uh, there's actually ability to take a, the uh, personality assessment online for free, and it'll give back uh, the feedback for each personality type that'll be really valuable. So that really is the starting place for, for a lot of folks. We'll, we'll put a link to that in this post, because I, like you're saying, I think it's so important for us to be aware of, you know, we like to think of ourselves in the best light. So when we're taking these tests, we, we used to take a lot of these tests when I was in the military, and we used to call it John Waning it. <laughs> right. We, whenever we answered a question, it was like, you know, who do I want to be perceived as That's right. because people looking at this, right. So we have this image of who we are, but on the, the, it's also very important to understand how we react when we're under stress, right. When we're, Absolutely. when we, uh, under a time crunch, when we have so much going on, when we just had a argument with somebody, because it's the, those times we're either at our worst or some of the things that are our strengths, we start overusing them and they become a liability. That's right? right. Maybe I'm a decisive person, but all of a sudden in a team, I'm taking control, I'm dictating the decision, or I'm not going to even budge on my position until everybody agrees with me. And all of a sudden you're, you're the guy in the room that nobody wants, you know, to be there next time. So you have to, you have to, and this is what you're talking about with self-awareness. You have to understand how you react when you're at your best and when you're at your worst so that you can now find the good pieces in all of that and bring those to the top. Absolutely. And, and to build on that, John, um, in the business aspect, not just our individual self-awareness, but we have to have a corporate self-awareness. Uh, knowing what our propensities are, but knowing that the people that we work with or people that that we're on a team with, what are their propensities? So, for example, you said, hey, you might be real decisive and you can just make instinctual decisions and, and you don't even have to think about it, right? Well, when you, when you if that's how you have a tendency to, to work, how does that affect a person that's high relationship? You've now just made a decision without consulting them. Do we understand what that ramification is on? They've now walked away saying, well, they must. John, you just made that decision without consulting me. You must not care about this relationship. Or you may have somebody on the team that 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 really needs to process. You know, they need they're the person that needs the spreadsheet, needs to do all the analytics you and I might be very instinctual. We make a quick, hasty decision, and we know it's the right decision. But what has that done now to the person who needs to think about it and process it and do all the numbers on it? Uh, it creates a sense of fear in, in that type of individual. So uh, so this corporate awareness is so critical, too, to understand how each pe- person in, in a team or in a corporation or a business, how they respond differently than than we do. So, um, so that, that's pretty, pretty important. Well, you started out talking about assessments. So this is the kind of the self-awareness of how we are, our traits. Uh, something I have my clients do is also we do an exercise to really, uh, get a deep, you know, deep clarity on their core values. Mm-hmm. We do a spiritual gifts exercise. I like doing the strengths finder because you'll always see how those gifts and values are actually coming out in your life and strengths. It's really kind of neat to see how that's linked. And then the assessments you're talking about is how how those actually come out now in behaviors. And so if I have I'm moving in that direction, I'm getting clarity on all this and you know that's it takes some work and some diligence and and some ability to be just be open and transparent especially like when I went through this and I asked my family, what do you guys think my top values are? And some of the feedback I got I was like, "Huh." 
<laughs> wow, I guess I got some work to do. <laughs> uh-huh. Absolutely. So once we have all that, you know, what, what would be kind of next on this on this ladder of growing and self awareness? I mean, we can now tie specific skills when we're able to identify kind of some of those tendencies or behavioral, uh, emotional behaviors. We can tie, you know, specific skills that will help kind of develop better leadership in in those areas of weakness. Um, you know, in a maybe in a more generic sense, here's a couple that I think uh, really will help people in their self awareness development. Um, and, and I may have mentioned it already, but observe how your emotions or your emotional behavior has a shockwave effect on others. Um, it's easy to just say I'm angry or uh, I'm I'm sad, but in those moments when we're kind of in that emotional moment, are we aware of the fact that that's impacting other people around us? You know, I think about just at home and in, in a in, in a marriage, I think many of us can relate to that. Uh, when something's going on and I'm angry and, you know, I come in and shut my door and I tune out, do, am I aware at that moment what that's doing to my wife, to my kids? Um, or am I just so self-consumed that I, I'm just completely oblivious to the fact that my emotional behavior is, is impacting and creating shockwaves uh, to those around? We can see that happen in the workplace as well. Um, you know, we go back to some of those negative behaviors we listed. Uh, do we see how those behaviors impact the people we work with? And uh, the next skill that I would encourage people to, to really begin to use is um, what I just simply call being an emotional detective. Uh, it's easy just to give a one word description of the emotion we're feeling. Like I said, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm mad. But do we know where that emotion's coming from? Have we taken the time to dig deeper, to peel back the onion, to investigate? Because that in, that initial emotional response is coming, it's being generated from something else. Whether it's uh, I had my feelings hurt, or I'm feeling uh, left out, or whatever that might be, most of us don't go that deep, and so we don't understand what's triggering the emotion. And so we really need to be detectives of our emotions. And so what I encourage people to do is, is describe what is the cause of the emotion and then verbalize it. Um, I'm the kind of guy that's pretty, uh, um, I'm a great communicator of my emotions if I don't have to speak. In other words, my nonverbals are, are my means of communicating emotionally what you know I'm processing. And that can be a destructive behavior. And so one of the things I've had to learn to do is be able to get to a place where I can verbalize, say out loud exactly what is triggering a certain emotional behavior or response at that moment. And, And what that does is it just leads us to a place where we can better understand ourselves and the things that trigger certain emotional, um, behaviors. You know, Seth, have you, as you've gone through this process yourself, what a, what are some of the biggest challenges you've had kind of on the, on, on this journey? Well, I, I alluded to it earlier. I, I'm a, I'm an instinctual kind of guy. I, I can make decisions without really having to process those things. And what I've learned is uh, that oftentimes I'm leaving people in the dust and that communicates several things. Mostly it communicates that uh, I don't value that relationship or that their input or feedback isn't important. Uh, 
And so what ends up happening is you end up being on an island. And again, what we talked about in self-awareness is, hey, we can't do it all. And we need others to come in and support our weaknesses and the things that we're not strong at. But for me, if I have a tendency just to, you know, plow ahead and nobody else is with me, <laughs> I'm, I'm in a tough spot. So and how so, were you able to, you know, in those situations as you're, as you know, that that's kind of how you are as a person in some of these situations, how did you get understanding of how that was affecting people around you on the team, trust that was being built or not being built relationships? Right. right. It's, it, it's that understanding of that tendency and understanding the, the personality uh, of those around me. So now you're getting into that another component of emotional intelligence, which is social awareness. How well do I know the people around me? And, um, and do I have the empathy to uh, press into what their needs are? And so what I have to tell myself is when I'm ready to make a decision, I, I literally, I just, it's the self-talk I give myself, tap the brakes. And it's just that simple phrase, tap the brakes. And what that tells me is, have I taken the time to get everybody on board? Have I taken the time to make sure the relational person is feeling valued? Am I taking time to make sure the analytical person has had time to process and give the feedback they need to, to feel secure in that decision? And so it, it's a simple um, process. It's not simple in doing, but it's that simple phrase of, for me, tap the brakes. You know, it sounds like everything you're talking about, too, is definitely in the realm of just servant leadership because you're not only understanding who you are, but then you're saying, how do I use this to work with other people better, to sow into their lives in a way that's building that relationship, that trust, that team? Absolutely. Um, there's a great quote by Maya Angelou. It says that, or she said this, it, it is, um, people will forget what you've said and what you've done, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And, and that's so powerful because um, the relation, we can't, in leadership, we can't remove the relational aspect. Strong leaders are great at building relationships and maintaining relationships. And they understand how their actions make others feel. Yeah, I know, you know, we've defined leadership here as, you know, one person's ability to influence even just one other life. Uh, but what I really think differentiates great leaders is, you know, uh, people in management, you're, you're managing processes, people, uh, you know, things like that. But a leader is managing change. And the only way to really affect what I call transformational change, and that is uh, transformational, I mean, is permanent change, is to uh, affect change in a group. And you only can do that when they know that it's safe, that you that they feel that you have their best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. That's right. They might disagree with what you're deciding, you know, even after you've taken all this input, but they trust you enough to be in alignment with that decision and now follow through and now change behaviors and, and move in the direction that you've cast and you've set. And what allows people to do that extremely effectively is that relationship, is the trust that they've built, is kind of that environment that is safe and, and welcoming for that group that you're leading through. And, and we're always in a constant flux, you know, state of flux and change. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, well said. Absolutely. Absolutely. So being an emotional detective, I, I really like that. So, that, you know, that's 
I'm just thinking, you know, what what could I do at night as I'm just kind of laying down in bed? You know, the uh, the Franciscan monks call it, used to call it, the, you know, the examine, right? In, in, right? in a spiritual context. But, you know, just maybe th- sitting there thinking, you know, how did I make people feel today? What were people's reactions in different situations? When was I at my best? How did they act? When was I at my worst today? What did I notice in people? Did they withdraw? Did they engage? Did they, you know, they, they normally contributed today? They 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 avoided me. And if we, mm-hmm. you know, that's also a piece of self-awareness. If we're just taking that time every day to just look at and examine what happened throughout the day, it could be with my wife or husband. Um, if you're a woman with my kids, with, you know, uh, on, on a board that you're on. So there is a lot of application to this, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. And again, as, as people begin to understand really how God's wired them, what they're, um, what I call their emotional MO is, um, and and then they take this strategy of really investigating at a deeper level. Uh, what comes out of that is, I mean, this is the root of where these emotions come from. Uh, many people, their their MO emotion is anger, and that's just a secondary response to something else that's going on. So if if they're able to start really digging deeper and investigating what's beneath this anger, they're going to find uh, a host of other things that are really the, the true factor in what's generating that emotional response. And it's so, it, it's so uh, rewarding in the sense because now, uh, instead of just going through life getting angry at the drop of every hat, you're able to now just begin to identify what's causing that and what those triggers are. And, and then you can begin a, a, what really is that next component of emotional intelligence, that self-regulation piece, beginning to put components in there. Like I said, tapping the brakes or um, giving yourself positive self-talk that uh, allows you to kind of manage that anger more efficiently. Seth, there are people listening right now where anger is sometimes their number one emotion that they spew on people, but they're having a hard time starting to peel back those layers and try and identify how do you coach people to get through those initial layers? Yeah. Great question, Steve. It's, it's really starting to observe where that anger came from, what triggered it. Uh, it, it's, it's like I said, maybe it's even just simply writing out uh, to the place where they can they can communicate uh, what caused that anger and 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 then take that to the the next level and dig a little bit deeper why does that cause me to get angry um, but I what I see in, in many people is is that um, you know something triggers them they get angry and their response is I'm angry well, that's not constructive. You can't go anywhere with that. You've got to understand why that's causing anger, what's generating it. Um, and so it's really just simply sitting down and trying to verbalize what created the anger. Well, Seth, as we wrap up here, what final thoughts would you like to leave with people as they've been listening to this whole conversation? I think it goes back to that first question you asked me is what really kind of got you into this. And for me, that phrase, emotional intelligence resonated. I knew there was something in there for me that I needed in my own leadership. Uh, I'm guessing that there's people listening that when they're hearing this idea of self-awareness or some of these concepts that we talked about, 
the heart might be beating a little faster or that adrenaline's pumping. They know that there's something and there's a life skill in this that they need, they've lacked, that they desire to have. And and really it's it's a message of redemption here. Um, you know, that God wants to bring us to a, a, a greater place. It's the uh, Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. That God, through all of this, wants to reveal those things so that we can get to the place that he desires to be. And so I, I'm sensing that there will be many that this will be, uh, you know, a concept that's resonating with them. And so that there is a message of hope and redemption in all of it. I love that message of hope and redemption. And how do people get in touch with you, Seth? Yeah, uh, they can go to our website, leadstrong360.org. Uh, you'll put a link there to this, the uh, the uh, um, Enneagram personality assessment. We also have a uh, EQ assessment they can take if they want to get a score on their overall EQ. Uh, we've got a uh, leadership training coming up uh, on effective leadership here in Denver on August 20th. And so they're welcome to attend and uh, register for that workshop at our website. Uh, and they can uh, reach out to me at uh, my email, which is seth at leadstrong360.org. Yeah, and i also like to remind people, too, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it a lot, but Lead Strong 360, everyone, uh, and the work Seth is doing and his team is just some great leadership development work, training in your company to work with you as an individual. Emotional intelligence is a big part of the the coaching on how I work with with companies, and Seth has taken that and brought it into how do you bring that into a whole team and have cultural impact. So there, there's just some great resources there. You know, if somebody's listening to this uh, also, Seth, if somebody wants to go to the next step on their own, any books that you'd recommend in this area? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's several books that uh, I like. Um, organization uh, by the name of Talent Smart uh, and uh, – and one of their uh, founding members, uh, Travis Bradbury, has done a great work. Uh, his book is called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Um, you can go to Talent Smart's website and, and, uh, or look that up on Amazon. Uh, you'll see Travis uh, Bradbury. He writes articles on a regular basis that uh, show up on Forbes. But uh, he gives great practical skills that uh, you can begin implementing today that will help just develop greater emotional intelligence. So um, that's a great resource. Um, uh, on a different note, uh, one of my favorite uh, writers is John Piper. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'll put a plug in for John Piper, but uh, Future Grace is a great book for, uh, for uh, anybody that really wants to just uh, um, sit down and sit down with uh, what I call a, a huge piece of uh, fine meat and just chew on some great um, theology. So I'm um, a big Piper fan. Love it. So. You know, and just to, uh, I'm a big fan of Travis, um, you know, and just to kind of put a, a bow on all this, why this is important, why we wanted to bring you on. Uh, I hope people actually just take this as a first step to move forward. Some of the research that Travis has done, uh, 58% of a person's performance in their job is based on uh, EQ. Absolutely. And self-awareness is the foundational piece of that. Mm -hmm. He also did another sur survey that I thought was awesome. Who wants a $30,000 pay raise? Like in the next few months. <laughs> That's right. Pe people with a high EQ on average made $30,000 more than their peers with a average or lower EQ. 
That's there right. you go. So you want a pay raise, you know, read the book, plug into what Seth is doing, uh, bring the Holy Spirit into this conversation. I think for me, that was one of the most powerful pieces about creating some of the self-awareness. You know, that was where I had to start, honestly, having some of these very vulnerable <laughs> transparent conversations that I did not feel like having with a human at first until right, I right. I'd kind of matured a bit in this area. So I really appreciate your time today, Seth. And, you know, uh, thanks for coming on. And I really hope people plug into to you and what you're doing here. Hey, thanks, John, Steve. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. If you'd like more information about Seth, STC Incorporated, Lead Strong 360, or their leadership training, just go to eternalleadership.com slash 081. That's eternalleadership.com slash 081. As John mentioned at the top of this interview, he met Seth through Pinnacle Forum. John and I are big fans of Pinnacle Forum and highly recommend that if you're looking for a place to interact with other Christian business leaders, look into Pinnacle. We'll have a link to Pinnacle in our show notes eternalleadership.com slash 081. And all of those links are embedded in the summary of this MP3 for quick access if you're on the go. Check it out. Changing gears, this weekend here in Colorado Springs, a successful friend of mine and I are hosting two-time Eternal Leadership guest John Garfield for a weekend workshop of teaching and encouragement. John's written two books, Releasing Kings and Desire to Destiny. They're fantastic books, and we'll be covering things like the nature of God, his kingdom, Uh, the nature of man, work, and ministry, how to release your heart, how to break a poverty spirit. And as my friend Graham Cook says, poverty isn't about money. It's about meager possibilities. So breaking those limiting self-talk and beliefs, as well as talking about surviving setbacks and working on individual heart plans, which are really what are the kinds of things God's placed in your heart and how to work to see them come to fruition. This group is made up of mostly business owners and entrepreneurs here along Colorado's Front Range, but we do have two people flying in from Chicago and from Portland, keeping these things small, below 15, because we want to keep the teaching very personal. And while we've filled this one up very quickly, my buddy Terry, who's also really a mentor of mine, Terry and I are planning on doing this probably again in early 2016, and then after that, who knows? So if you'd like to be kept in the loop about these weekends with John Garfield or any event that John Ramston and I are planning like this, shoot me an email, steve at eternalleadership.com, and I'll add you to the list to contact when we do these things in the future. Steve at eternalleadership.com. Next time on Eternal Leadership, executive mentor and author, Bob Beal. People know who they are, but other people try to force them to be what they're not. As a result, they're miserable, they're unhappy, they're frustrated, they're often angry. And I say, what our role is, I believe, is to free the person to be who they are. And if they say, I'm not a goal setter, don't force them to set goals. They say, I'm a problem solver, let them solve problems. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.